0: John chapter 9. As he, that is Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, he sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him, as long as it is day. We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." After saying this, he spat <laughs> on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. And he put it on the the man's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sin. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I can see! (laughs) His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, no, no. He only looks like him." But he himself said, I am the man. I am the man. <laughs> How then were your eyes opened? You replied, The man they called Jesus he made some mud. And um, he, he, he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and, well, and then to wash. So I went and I washed. And, well, now I can see. Where is this man? They asked him. And uh, I don't really know. In, uh, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, Was in fact a (laughs) Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisee also asked him how he had received his sight. Well, he uh, he He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and well, now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. The others asked, And how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. They then turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, Well, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered. <laughs> and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, and who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this. Well, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is a mage, ask him. Mm -hmm. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? (laughs) Then they hurried insults at him and said, You are his fellow disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses But as for this fellow. We don't even know where he comes from. The man said to now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, him, Tell me, so I do believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind would see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt occurs.
1: Okay. So there are a lot of characters in this story. Does anybody want to shout out who's in the story? Jesus. Jesus. yay! Anyone else? Blind man. Okay. Pharisees,
0: yeah. Pharisees. Yeah. Cadence, yeah. one other group of people. Oh,
1: Pharisees. there was his neighbors. Oh yeah. People who yeah. are like, oh, is it him? Is it him? <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're not going to look at all of these characters. Oh, there's his disciples at the beginning as well. Yeah. And we're just going to look more in detail at uh, the Pharisees. For the Pharisees, as I do now. When I was younger, I was, you know, you hear Bible stories your whole life, you're growing up in church, and I just had in my head this picture of them being these subhuman monster aliens, you know, like arch enemies to Jesus. And uh, yeah, they just seem crazy. Like, how could they possibly not believe in him? It seems so obvious. Um, And I mean, really, why on earth? Are some of these Pharisees unable to accept that ah, the man born blind? Like, so many people are saying, Yes, it's him. The man keeps saying again, again, it's me, yeah, it's me. I, I was blind, now I can see. I'm standing right in front of you. And they just don't get it. Um, and I guess the older I've got, the more I've realised that the Pharisees are a human. And actually, <laughs> yeah, really, they're people <laughs> like us. And actually, the things that maybe were blinding them to the things of God are causing them to react in an antagonistic way to Jesus are things that are actually pretty relatable. Uh, so, I mean, Jesus says that they are, he calls them as being sort of spiritually blind at the end of Book So, And um, what was it that was blinding them? I mean, in the passage, we see that uh, some of the Pharisees are like absolutely fixated on the fact that Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath. Um, that is yeah. because of that they're convinced that this means it could possibly be something of God. And I guess this stems from a, a cultural belief which has its roots in something really good. You know, the Sabbath features in the Ten Commandments. Keeping a day holy is something that God asks them to do, and this is meant to be for the good of the people you know, so they would take time to rest and to worship God and, uh, and somehow along the way it would be distorted into something that God didn't intend it to be you know, in their quest to interpret this law and apply it to everyday life loads of extra rules have been added to it and, you know, my nation details are outlined, I did a bit of a Google search on this and I found some really random rules that they weren't allowed to do like, um, apparently you couldn't eat dip, radishes, and salt in case you accidentally pickled them because pickling is not allowed on the Sabbath You can only walk a certain number of steps I think it's like, either you know, a thousand or a thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine but one less. step, you know, nine hundred nine, and ninety-nine is okay so it really, it, it got really ridiculous and you saw, you know, they were saying, oh, if you get put out of the synagogue if you don't follow these rules and it was quite serious Jesus himself said, the Sabbath is made to serve man, you know, not the other way around. And I guess we're all influenced by our culture in ways that we don't even notice. You know, it impacts everything that we do. What we eat, when we eat, where we work, when we get up in the morning, how we spend our time. Every country has its culture, every country has subcultures within it. Generations have their own cultures. Even our church, our specific church, and the way we do church, is a kind of a culture. And we're really affected by it without even noticing. I mean, I think if you've ever gone to another country, or gone to somewhere that's a bit different, and walked into that, into a different culture, you really notice it. You notice the things that are different, but when you're in the thick of it, you don't. It's very easy to be unaware. Uh, I guess I've had a lot of experience of going into a different culture, just as a quick example. I lived in France for a year as a student and uh, you know British people, we British people drink tea a lot. And when French people came to my flat, I'd be like, Would you like a cup of tea? And they look at me funny, it's like, why don't you give me tea now? And it took me a while to realise that actually in French culture, most people only drink tea at like one or two specific times of the day. <laughs> so they just thought I was crazy and uh, it was just something I wasn't even aware of until so I go somewhere else, how British I was my vast amount of tea that (laughs) i drank. But, I mean, there are other examples, bigger ones, of how a cultural belief or mindset has its roots in something good, but it's maybe been subtly distorted in our society into something that's a bit less healthy. Um, So just a couple of examples that I've become aware of and affect me personally. Um, One is that I, I work for a charity with wonderful people who really care about the vulnerable society and the planet and they're really involved in activism and like fighting for social change, which I really love and obviously we're all working towards that in the charity but I find that sometimes conversations on certain topics can quickly become really cynical and like a total politician bashing fest and it's really easy to get sucked in and I don't know, I I think I'm still working on trying to figure out what it looks like to bring a sort of different graceful perspective into that and then i actually talked about this before a couple years ago i did the talk in bears then um, but um, the self-care culture which has you know it has many really healthy good principles which i think so many christians need have always needed to hear for years on how to have good boundaries how not to say yes to everything and to love and ourselves as well as well as delivers you know others not less these are all really good things, but along the way, I guess sometimes in some spheres, it can corrupt it into this me-first culture, like we're more important than anyone else, and we put our needs first above everything. Um, and it's really subtle. Like I don't, I, I, think, I guess, I've noticed ways that we're, where like I personally am influenced by it. And I haven't even noticed. It's so small, and I guess it can be a little bit dangerous. So um, I'm just kind of raising awareness, there's not really enough time to go into into much detail, but let's be aware of how it might be clouding our perspective and maybe affecting the way that we respond to God like it was with the Pharisees. Mm. (sighs) Another thing that jumped out um, in the passage to me was this (laughs) ego that the Pharisees have. Clearly, they have very big egos. You know, there was a lot of them being like, um, we're disciples of Moses, how was. You know, they're like really self-righteous and they think they're better than everyone else. And then Jesus picks up on this when he says, He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say you see, your guilt remains. In other words, you know, the problem is that they claim that they're not blind. They think they know best already and they can see everything there is to see. And actually, if we're being honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, sometimes it's pretty hard to admit a God's right wrong someone else is trying that wrong Um, and actually it can be difficult sometimes to accept an experience that's really out of our box could possibly be a real one or a true one when it really is out of our box out of anything that we could possibly imagine could happen Um, let's look at Jesus now because that is what the medical is inviting us to do the miracle he does you know, scenes on the face of it to be really weird. I mean, um, Simon, you brought that to life so (laughs) beautifully. It really was disgusting. (laughs) 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 And uh, very odd. But uh, actually, it could be that this is a reference to the first creation story. You know, God made Adam out of dirt, dark, out of mud. And you know, Jesus is referring to this first act of creation. He's showing us that he's in this business of recreating And then the miracle comes straight after Jesus said about himself that he's the light of the world, so he says it again and again, it's in exactly. chapter 8 verse 12, chapter 9 verse 5, and then I can see those <laughs> <George>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm i got the right George <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, clearly an important theme you know, John, because it's, it's talked about I mean, it in the all important introduction in chapter 1 as well I mean when you're blind or severely visual you can't see light and you can't see without
0: light you know if you switch lights off in the room you can't see anything. jesus is the lights
1: helping us to see what is he helping us to see well i mean
0: reality what things are really like and we're going to see god
1: in his glory and know the truth of who he is and who he made us to be and he wants to bring light and goodness into situations of evil and darkness. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God, who said, let light shine out darkness. made his light shine in our hearts, give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. You know, Jesus is here, right before us, inviting us to look at him to behold his faith. I actually asked him. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, the glorious light of the world. And he wants to shine his light into our dark and seemingly hopeless situations and, and into the you know, darkest, grimiest corners of society. These poor Pharisees were, were blinded to Jesus because of their cultural mindset and their inability to admit that they were wrong. So, let's be careful that we're keeping our eyes open and being aware of how we're being influenced by the world around us and continually looking to Jesus to allow Him to shine His light to our hearts.